Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Litmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And for the next several episodes, we're going to be talking about the marriage relationship. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, we read the glorious account of creation. And that particular verse tells us, And God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. The one situation that was not good, God had taken care of. In Genesis 2, 18-25, we read the following. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to all the cattle, and to the birds of the sky, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. For this cause a man shall leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Thus God instituted marriage with the first man and woman, Adam and Eve. We can immediately see that celibacy, and by that I mean not only abstaining from sexual activity, but also remaining unmarried, while acceptable for some, is not an inherently better state. God ordained marriage and saw that it was very good. The Hebrew writer tells us, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. The Bible indicates that there are certain things necessary to constitute a marriage. First of all, there must be the intention to live together as husband and wife. We can see that with a man leaving his father and mother and cleaving to his wife, the intention is obvious. The woman must leave her father and mother as well and cleave unto her husband. This obviously indicates an intention to be married, an agreement between them to be husband and wife. A second point that seems clear to me is simply this. Since God's word tells us that we are to be subject to the law of the land under which we live, Romans chapter 13, whatever the law would require for marriage, God would also require, provided God's law is not violated. When we think about the divorce that Moses permitted because of the hardness of the hearts of the Israelites, we can see that a writing of divorcement for the protection of the woman was required to end the marriage. The wedding feast in John 2 and the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew chapter 25 
indicate that there was a certain point at which people were recognized as being married. While on the subject of what constitutes a marriage, I have, after considerable study, changed my views. I used to believe that three things were necessary to constitute a marriage, the intention, the legal aspect, and the cohabitation or sexual intercourse. I no longer believe that the sexual intercourse is necessary to constitute a marriage. I do believe it to be a duty of and a blessing for those who are already married. When in a wedding ceremony the person officiating pronounces them husband and wife, they really are husband and wife at that point, and I would pray that that would have been before cohabitation in the sexual sense. Matthew chapter 1 verses 24 through 25 tells us, And Joseph arose from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took her as his wife, and kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and called his name Jesus. They were married, husband and wife, a good while before the sexual act took place. It is important to understand that when the requirements are met, the man and the woman are married. It may be a marriage God approves of, in which case both individuals involved had a right to be married to each other, or it may be a marriage that God does not approve of, but it is still a marriage. Romans chapter 7 and verse 3 speaks of a woman being joined to another man. It is to become another man's, and can properly be translated as married to another man while her husband lives. She is really married even though God obviously would not approve. God did not approve of Herod's marriage to his brother Philip's wife, Yet in Mark 6, verse 17, the Holy Spirit saw fit to have Mark use the word married to describe the relationship between Herod and Herodias. What would constitute a marriage of which God would approve? It seems sad to have to say this, but in order to be approved by God, a marriage has to be between a man and a woman. The current practice of two men or two women marrying one another is just another example of what happens when people lose all respect for God. Having lost respect for God, they lose respect for their fellow man. Having lost respect for their fellow man, individuals lose respect for themselves. Romans chapter 1 verses 19 through 32 details the kind of thinking that has resulted in these modern perversions of God's plan. A man or a woman who has never been married would have a right to be married. A man or a woman who has lost a spouse through death would have the right to marry. A man or a woman who has put away a spouse for fornication, being innocent, would have a right to marry. I believe that a man and a woman who were in a marriage God approved of, but divorced each other and are now reconciling, would have the right to marry each other. When both parties in a marriage fit into one of these categories, when they have the intention to live together as husband and wife, and when they meet the legal requirements of the government under which they live, they are in a marriage of which God approves. If one or both of the parties in the marriage do not fit into one of the categories mentioned above, but they have the intention to live together as husband and wife and meet the legal requirements of the government under which they live, they are married. But it is a marriage of which God disapproves. In order to understand a vitally important point in this discussion, we need to look at Romans chapter 7, verses 2 and 3. Teaching about marriage is not Paul's primary point in that passage, but what he says will help us to make an exceptional distinction. The passage reads as follows, 
For the married woman is bound by law to her husband while he is living. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law concerning the husband. So then if, while her husband is living, she is joined to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law, so that she is not an adulteress, though she is joined to another man. Notice that the woman is bound by the law to her husband as long as they live, as he lives. That is the bond. Jesus spoke of it as God has joined together. When a couple that has a right to marry meets all of the requirements, God is the third party to that marriage. He binds them together. The bond is the covenant with God that joins the man and the woman. Now, in Romans chapter 7 and verse 3, the woman in the illustration marries another man or is joined to another man while her original husband is still alive. The word translated is joined to in the New Testament standard means to become, and it is to become another man's. This shows that there is a biblical distinction between the bond and the marriage. Marriage is the intention to live together as husband and wife, coupled with meeting the legal requirements. God doesn't have to approve of it in order for it to be a marriage. It is still spoken of in the scriptures as a marriage, whether God approves or not. Hopefully you can see how important it is to understand the distinction between the bond and the marriage. There are marriages that God approves, and there are marriages that God disapproves. In either case, God recognizes that the parties have entered a marriage. An unapproved marriage must end. A marriage that God does not approve is sinful and cannot be minimized by someone saying, well, it really isn't a marriage in God's sight. There are marriages that God approves of, and there are marriages that God disapproves of, and each marriage is one or the other. We'll have a lot more to say about the marriage relationship in the episodes to follow.